0: Philosophy Friday, ooh, we like it, we like it a lot, Uh, stay stay with us. All right, Nick, what's going on, brother?
1: Hey, brother, how's it going?
0: Good, man. Are you feeling philosophical? I am. Yeah. Fully philosophical. Totally. Um, Cool. Well, we we want to talk uh, philosophy and apologetics tonight. So, what are we talking about?
1: So we uh, we started one of the three main traditional arguments for God. We've looked at the ontological argument. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that.
0: Hang on, hang on, hang. I hadn't thought about that. Do you know what I realized? I think we didn't. I don't think we actually said this last time. But I think this for the ontological argument. If and if anyone's listening in on this. Um, go back and listen to that one, you know, if you don't know what we're talking about. But if you do know what we're talking about, I, I realize it's sort of I was drinking some coffee the other day. That was the first step in the right direction. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I basically realized that, you know, all of that is heavily Aristotelian. And, you know, I mean, Socrates, or oh, at least uh, uh, Aristotle himself, I mean, he would have regarded a analytical sort of uh, form to have substance in itself. So basically what I'm saying is you know part of the worldview of the day was that you you know if you could think it, you know because we mentioned uh, earlier, you know just because I can conceive of something doesn't make it real. Yeah. Um, and, and that's true, but you know, it may, maybe is not taking into account this this reality that was almost assumed in the mind of the philosopher of Aristotelian sort of um, ilk. That yeah, that's
1: more of a, I suppose, I'm not sure, but that sounds more like idealism, where the thought of it makes it real. I'm not sure that was where he was going with it.
0: Right, but it was just like in the background is what I was thinking. Like like you have um, even not really so much the idealism side of it. I'm thinking more in terms of just like if you, for example, just take the uh, Plato's forms, you know, that, that was bubbling around everything. Um, that you you basically, you know, you've got a circle that you draw a year, you've got a circle that you draw a year. Um, they'll never be the same unless you have this, you know, concept of a circle, um, the analytical side of it, and yeah. um, and so where we would leave it at that as a concept as an idea, uh, they would have seen that in the world of the forms in some way shape or form. Excuse, excuse the pun. So like you yeah. know that reality of that concept being something more than simply a concept must have must have seeped into to the whole mindset at least at a scholastic philosophical level, don't you think?
1: Yeah, perhaps just part of the uh, the atmosphere of the epistemology they were thinking in.
0: Exactly. You know, and it's not the slam dunk issue necessarily, but it's just kind of, it makes the uh, the whole argument a little bit more viable and a little bit more, oh, okay, so I could see why he would go there. You know, anyways. Yeah, I just, think
1: that, I mean, one of his, one of, I mean, we're talking about Anselm and the ontological argument again, but one of his mm. motives was not, so you know the difference between uh, a priori and a posteriori? Right, right. But a posteriori is when you deduce something on the basis of experience. So that yes. would be our typical verificationist empiricist model. You have an experience, and from the experience you deduce certain things. Mm-hmm. A priori is where you have um, basically a, an undeniable truth that you reason from. So it's a rationalist premise as opposed to an empirical premise. Right, right. And he was His first book that he wrote, Monologion, mm-hmm. was where he developed what will uh, is Thomas Aquinas's fourth proof for God, but it's the argument from goodness, and it was basically because we experience good, and there are levels of good. There must be someone at the top of the good food chain, mm. and he was very dissatisfied with that sort of ho- argument because it was argument. It was an argument from experience towards God, mm-hmm. and he wanted mm-hmm. something better. He wanted a wanted a beautiful, all-encompassing, single theory that would wrap it all up. Mm-hmm. So he went away from the a posteriori way of. Arguing from experience mm-hmm. to uh, an undeniable rational premise. Right,
0: the analytical proof. So, so the big. a
1: priori, yeah. Mm. So that's that was that was uh, that was sort of his desire in developing that, yeah. that particular.
0: Well, then again, you know, I think that that you know, again, if if <laughs> if if, uh, if the ghost of Aristotle was floating anywhere around there, you know, that would just give it that extra, you know, hit. Inevitably, so yeah. yeah. They,
1: they just, I mean, Aristotle is assumed in everything.
0: Totally. Yeah, exactly right. Anyway, so cool. That's just a bit of a, a throwback on the last um, last episode. So, yeah, you were saying we've covered that and we're moving on.
1: Yeah, so the, the ontological argument is one of three mm-hmm. of the traditional arguments for God. Ontos being uh, the Greek word for being, and it's the an argument for the being of God from the thought of God. Basically, that's that's the uh, the basic argument. Mm-hmm. The second one, which is the one we want to talk about now, that's the cosmological argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically this argument moves from that which exists to the existence of a first cause, which caused what we experienced to exist. Mm-hmm. So an uncaused causer yes. would be the uh, traditional way of uh, identifying this argument. Yes. Yeah, so basically it's an I argument. It. Uh, we're arguing from something, the things that we experience, yeah. to the, the one who made it.
0: Right, and I mean, like yeah. I remember coming into the faith, you know, and just um, this being particularly compelling to me. I mean, I realized that even at its nth degree, it's not going to get you necessarily to Christianity. But um, yeah, going That's from right. from just uh, you know just drinking deeply from the world, you know, and its uh, its evolutionary theology or its naturalistic uh, uh, philosophy. Um, all the way through to just imbibing, I'd say at this point in hindsight, I was just nihilistic, really just, you know, unable to make any sense of anything. And I remember the unmoved mover thing just struck me because it just sort of gave me a bit of a a compass to begin with, you know, because the reality is, I mean, this seems like just a irrefutable bit of logic. Um, You know, if, if we are in, I mean, if we will if we will just give the one this is all we have to give away as let's say we're coming in as super existential nihilists right all yeah. we have to give away is that this is not a dream you know that 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 <laughs> something is real in 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 that which we experience in our life and yeah. if, as soon as we do that you need an unmoved mover because basically yeah. from you know from nothing nothing can come um and so you know you've got to you got to have something that caused this and you, you know, you move on this infinite sort of regression backwards, uh, the cause and effect thing. But ultimately, for anything to to ultimately be a right now and real, there must have been something that always was. Um, and, and it just—I yeah. I remember thinking to myself, like, dude, that is so. You know, I'm, I'm willing to give that ground. I'm willing to, in in the life that I've experienced thus far, I know that you know. This is just—it'd be more faith for me to believe that everything. That I experience is a illusion or a you know uh, a dream or whatever, and uh, I was very willing to, to to feel the the reality of life, and so that, that was a particularly forceful idea for me.
1: Definitely, I mean, isn't that what Paul says in Romans one? Yeah, you know that from from creation we can discern the invisible God, His divine nature, yeah, His His eternal power. Right, and there are, you know we won't, we don't want to exposit that text, but there are some profound things. Paul things that we can, yeah, from the fact that there is creation. Totally, both at the same Yeah, go for to, it. You know, you, said you made a statement earlier about you know it doesn't necessarily lead you to a full, robust, Trinitarian Christology mm-hmm. type of theology, but it does what? It, and I think here is the usefulness of this sort of uh, argument: is it does take the unbeliever back to what they have suppressed from nature. Mm. So it shows them the irrationality. Of suppressing that truth because that truth is, once rationally considered, true.
0: That's a great point. Um, yeah, and,
1: yeah. So it brings them back to what the Bible says they should be able to glean from creation. Mm. So mm. It, it brings them back to a great starting block, and I think that, like you say, a great first step towards uh, first step in the right direction. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I mean, this 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 particular argument has does come in uh, various forms, and you've uh, you've no doubt heard of the Kalam cosmological argument, K-A-L-A-M. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the Thomistic cosmological argument from Thomas Aquinas. Thomas, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let, let me tell you about the Kalam cosmological argument. So this the word Kalam is Aristotle made a comeback mm-hmm. after what we... Uh, the dark case, and it was through the resurgence of Aristotelian philosophy that mm. these sorts of arguments came to the foreground again. And um, so Islamic scholars were sort of... They were the boss when it came to Aristotle. They were some of the best Aristotelians.
0: Amazing, isn't
1: it? In early, yeah, the, the, here's the thing. The, the, the Islamic scholars revived an early Christian thought. Yeah, wow. So Christians, when, when they were early on, they tried to refute Aristotle's view of an eternal universe. And so Christians originally, using Aristotle's own worldview, tried to refute Aristotle's uh, eternal universe, Into the Dark Ages, Then Islamic scholars get a hold of this notion and a guy called Al-Ghazali basically develops. And this is is the way he puts it. Every being which begins has a cause for its beginning. Now the world is a being which begins. Therefore it possesses a cause for its beginning. So this this particular uh, form of argument uh, rests on certain premises and he goes about defending those premises. Firstly, every being that has a beginning has a cause. And he defends that premise this way. For something to come into existence at a particular time, not later or earlier, it would necessarily be dependent upon a cause for it being so. So you get that one?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: All right. And then his second his second uh, way in which he defends this idea, he says uh, that the second premise is the world has a beginning, and this is how he defends it. And maybe you've come across this before. I I, I came across it in William Lane Craig. Mm. But he argues against the impossibility of an infinite past. Right. So this is this is how I heard the argument. And mm-hmm. um, so let's imagine a, a bookshelf with an infinite amount of books on it. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to take half the books off the bookshelf.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How many books are left on the bookshelf? Infinite. Infinite. So half of infinity is still infinity, right? Mm-hmm. So. If we have an infinite past, we can't have a present because mm-hmm. infinity has no end. And right. so if the universe is eternal, which was Aristotle's original premise, yeah. there could not be a, prem- uh, a present. So this was what Al-Ghazali was arguing. Right. Nice. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so he says, a present precludes the existence of an infinite past. Therefore, there must have been a beginning. Therefore, there must be a God who caused the whole thing to be.
0: Right. I like that because... It almost uh, takes it even a notch further than relying on there being something at some point. You know, it's it's, it's not even because what I was saying earlier is that you're, you're almost giving ground away in terms of a dream state. Um, but even if a dream state was present, then the very idea of, of present uh, is, is, is a trouble to you if uh, there was never a beginning. So yeah, it's crazy. It, it takes yeah. it a notch deeper.
1: <laughs> it's it's pretty good and uh, william lane craig would be a modern proponent of the column cosmological argument he's right. taken it he's developed it And know we'll share a little bit more on that but mm-hmm. so there's there's the column the uh islamic then the thomistic came where uh, thomas aquinas developed uh what his well-known five arguments for god mm-hmm. and the first three of the five go towards a cosmological argument right and so the five arguments are the, the argument from movement, causation, contingency, goodness, and design. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first three, the argument from movement, causation, and contingency, would be the cosmological argument. And so you need to remember Thomas is also working with arist- within the uh, causal relationships, which are uh, underlying the way he develops his arguments. So here is, this is how it goes. All things that move are moved by something else. So there's the assumption there of uh, potentiality and actual, And an infinite regress of causes is impossible. Therefore, there must be a first mover. There is a God who has who is purest actus, <laughs> yeah. and we, are, we have potentiality. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, since we are dependent, um, therefore, there must be an unmoved mover who moved us. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his second one is the argument from causation. And this, mm-hmm. this would be the, the, I think this is the, one of the stronger ones. Okay. From nothing, nothing comes. Yes. Nothing can be the cause of its own existence. All effects have a cause. Mm-hmm. There cannot be an infinite chain of causes. Therefore, there must be an uncaused causer. Mm-hmm. All right? And yep. Aquinas reckons this is who, what we call God. Right. Yep. And then the third argument is the argument from contingency. So mm-hmm. the, the the two things in relationship there are contingency versus necessity. Mm-hmm. And basically what this argument says, and it's uh, just a very quick summary of it, we see things which come into existence. So these are things that are contingent, not necessary. These things can also go out of existence. Therefore, they must have been caused to exist. Mm. Or the existence of things that come into being and then decay requires the existence of one that always is.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: So movement, causation, and contingency, those are the first three that all get this notion of what we what we now know to be the cosmological argument.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Great summary, man. Um, and that that's super helpful. I think um, it's one of the more practical, just hearing you talk there as well, I think it's one of the more practical um, uh, forms of apologetic in a postmodern age. What do you think?
1: I think it's extremely helpful but here's the pushback yeah well if you say that uh, there can't be an infinite regress and everything had to come into being who made god so yes. that's that's the typical pushback. now
0: that i know and i think i i like that pushback because it, it, I really, love that pushback. it makes the point yeah <laughs> it makes the point that you know it makes the point that they've missed the argument entirely you know yes. in that in that the whole thing is Let's leave out the word God and just let's start from what we have right now. And, you know, logically, analytically, you have to come up with a, an unmoved mover to account for what we have now. So, you know, it's it's not a matter of who made God. The whole point is that God didn't make Oh, God was uncreated. That's, yep. that's the, the necessary reality. So I think like when they ask, when they push back, it's almost like the first step of them getting it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. I love the way R.C. Sproul puts it. He he, in his uh, foundation series, he just gave a little line. He basically said, "You know, all effects have a cause. Mm-hmm. God is not an effect."
0: Mm. Right there, we go. It's the
1: creator, it's the it's the creator creature distinction. Yeah. So, if you, if you assume that God is like an effect or mm. like yourself or like anything else that you experience, then you'll be dumb enough to ask the question, who made God? But mm. if you remember the creator-creature distinction, who God is as spirit, invisible, uncreated, um, as, uh, you know, his aseity and so on, mm. then the, the question is eliminated
0: mm. Mm. by totally. the
1: being of God.
0: Yeah, and it's not like we're just making some pious observation there. I mean, it's an analytically drawn truth. You have to have it. Um, You know, God, by definition, is not a cause, you know, or at least an effect, you know. So, uh, yeah, amazing.
1: All right. So one more more form of the cosmological argument, Leibniz, the the famous philosopher, and Mm -hmm. he developed it in a slightly different direction. And you might recognize the question. He put it this way. Why is there something rather than nothing?
0: Mm. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Nothing happens without a sufficient reason. The existence of the universe cannot be in anything in the universe. You know, when we whenever we try to explain the present state of affairs, what do we do? We 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 try and find the explanation in a former state of affairs. And then where does that former state of affairs come from? Well, from the former state of affairs. For Mm -hmm. example, you know, why are you here? Well, my parents put me here. Or where Mm -hmm. did their parents come from? You know, where did their parents come from? And where you know you're always looking for something in if you go if you take that line of questioning. You're always trying to find the reason in the universe. Mm, mm. And Leibniz was saying you have to go outside the universe to find the cause, the mm. ultimate cause. Everything in the universe is itself contingent and not necessary. Mm. Therefore, the reason for the universe's existence must be found outside, not in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, that that would be the person of God, of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So all derivations of of the same basic concept that you yeah. just you need something outside of the thing, yeah. Um, and I
1: think there's there's some some good modern uh, proponents. William Lane Craig is pretty good on this. Yeah, uh, I don't subscribe to his uh, brand of philosophy at all. Yeah, but he is a good thinker uh, on these sorts of things. And what he does, he brings in two very helpful notions. You see, up until 1960. The 1960s, the Big Bang theory wasn't very popular, mm-hmm. and an eternal steady state universe was the assumption, mm-hmm. and that eliminated a creator. Mm-hmm. But with the introduction of the Big Bang theory, if that's the present model in, in science, mm-hmm. that actually says the universe has a beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: that plays that plays in, that plays uh, into our court, doesn't it?
0: Oh, big time! Yeah. So
1: he brings that out, and the second thing he he emphasizes is the second law of thermodynamics that mm-hmm. everything's winding down. Mm. Um, That there's an end in sight, therefore the universe cannot be infinite.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly.
1: These these two modern, uh, these two very well accepted and established truths in the world of science today um, hold up the cosmological argument. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, great. Well, I mean, that's, that's excellent. I mean, um, you know, if, if you are listening to this and you've never heard of that one, I mean, that, well, you know, it'd be quite, I think this is one of the first sort of uh, ideas. You know, what's cool about it is that it's a classical apologetics thing, you know, and I'm really down with the classical apologetics stuff. I, I dig it. I think it's, it's so helpful. Um, and I think it works well with those who hold to a, um, a doctrine of common grace you know, a two kingdom understanding of, of the world in that you you see that while it is true that, you know, all, all that the presuppositionalists are saying and, and you know that, that God, you know, we do we do need to in, in many ways assume God to make sense of anything, there's also this reality that uh, you know, God himself has, has created a common place for us to discuss these things based on uh, principles and ideas and truths that can be reasoned out. And um and, and that's what makes them so powerful. And so so I think relevant for anyone that that understands those uh th- that basic paradigm of of how we're to engage and live in the world. So classical apologetics, basically this two-tiered sort of understanding. First, let's let's find um let's find an analytical proof for god so to speak and then from that point start working toward uh christianity and seeing yeah. why christianity itself is 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 the best expression of, of religion and so uh you know the, the um ontological the cosmological and uh, we'll deal with the teleological later but these are all forms of that and um you know so hopefully it's a good introduction to you if you if you're uh just dialing into that uh but stay tuned we'll we'll try and wrap that up next week with uh with the what are we doing teleological next Friday? Yeah. All right. Cool. And then, then then what we could do is circle back and go deeper on on any of these. But let's just get them. Yeah, down I was in terms thinking maybe
1: after that we do the transcendental argument, God.
0: Yeah, totally. We got to do that we got to we got yeah, to go but... precept a little bit yeah totally <laughs> <laughs>
1: um
0: awesome but also i'm cognizant that our wi-fi is being held together by uh, a piece of cotton and and uh some some twigs and so i just want to make sure we get a full episode in here before it goes dead on us so let's uh let's draw that to a close thanks a million for joining us nick appreciate it Good cool, man cheers